Eric Jacobson. Welcome to the Critical Teaching and Learning Forum podcast. The Critical Teaching and Learning Forum started out as a group of educators in New Jersey who came together once a month to have an open discussion about teaching from a left perspective in a variety of contexts, including middle school, high school, college, and adult education. The forum now has a website that features articles, resources, and news of upcoming events, and we encourage you to check it out. I'm joined on the podcast today by colleagues from We Learn, an adult education organization that, in their own words, focuses on the issues, needs, concerns, viewpoints, strengths, and wisdom of women. The latest issue of Women's Perspectives, their annual collection of writing by adult learners, is out soon, and some of the writers graciously agreed to read and talk about their work. This includes writers Marcia Costa, Norby Valario, and Jessica Ramos, who's also a We Learn advisory committee member. Stacey Evans and Shelley Walters, We Learn board members, are also on hand to talk about We Learn's work and the Women's Perspective publication. So I want to thank everybody for joining me today on the Critical Teaching and Learning Forum podcast. Um, I've been a longtime supporter of We Learn's activities. I think it's a really important organization, so I'm very happy that We Learn is here today to talk about their work and particularly Women's Perspectives, the, the magazine, and to hear from uh, some adult learners and their writing. So to get started, I want to talk to um, Stacy. Uh, do you want to give us a brief overview of kind of the history of, of We Learn? Sure. So um, I'm Stacey Evans. I'm on the board of directors of WeLearn. Um, WeLearn is a national organization, and it's the only national organization, actually, that focuses specifically on women's literacy education and the importance of, of women's literacy. And, you know, we look at at how, how literacy changes women's lives, how literacy supports people as they're moving toward their goals. We Learn actually grew out of a project called Women Leading Through Reading that was created by uh, Mev Miller. And that project, you know, developed into this greater focus on women's literacy education. And that's what became We Learn. And you know, as an organization, we have run conferences to bring together students and teachers and, and anyone focused on women's education. And um, we also began to produce this journal, Women's Perspectives, um, with the idea that amplifying women's voices was one of the ways that we could support women learners and support their their focus on and valuing of their own voices as they wrote about and discussed different issues. Each of the issues of women's perspectives has a particular theme. Um, we've had issues about uh, women and money, um, women and health. The last couple of years, of course, our issues have been really COVID focused. Um, the issue that is about to come out is about women and resilience and the the subtitle for that issue is we're still here. We have survived these two years and we're still here. And we encouraged learners to really look at 
what it means that they've come through these last two years of this pandemic and how has it impacted their lives, but also what are some maybe surprise positive things that have happened in their lives as a result of either being in quarantine or going to school remotely and just looking, trying, trying to look for a little bit of a silver lining in the craziness of the last two years. Um, and women's perspectives isn't just for women. We absolutely encourage men to write for women's perspectives too, because we want them to also think about these different issues from with the lens of how do these issues impact women? Because that's going to give a very different take than how women are going to reflect on those issues. In fact, in this issue, we have um, a man who has submitted for several issues um, in the past. And in this issue, he interviewed his girlfriend to talk about some of the, the ways that she is thinking about about this topic. And I thought it was really interesting, whereas he always writes about women, that he actually brought in um, a woman in his life to, to write the article with him. So I thought that was really great. So that's women's perspectives. Previous issues are available on the website, right? To be able to download as... Yes. WeLearnWomen.org. <laughs> you can you can find back issues of women's perspectives and download them and print them. If you would like hard copies that are already printed and bound, you can also contact us through the website. Those we sell. We don't we don't send them for free, but but they're not super expensive. So please buy some. <laughs> that would be great. So one of the things that first struck me, uh, the first We Learn conference that I went to, was the diversity of learners. Um, and I felt like we learners really sort of exceptional in its perspective on what it means to be an adult learner. So there was, you know, adult literacy students, you know, uh, high school equivalency exam students, like, you know, ESL students, students and learners in programs, not in programs. It, 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 to me, it really felt like we learned was embracing the idea of lifelong learning and not simply in formal programs, but like wherever women might be, you know, exploring writing or their own education. Can you speak to that part of we learn? I mean, again, I think that's part of the whole foundation of we learn is that we want to, you know, sort of throw our, our arms wide to encircle all of the ways that people are learning and all of the places in their lives that people are learning. And one of the things that I, I always liked about the conferences um, is that it brings so many different kinds of people together and there's no, there's no lines of distinction drawn between them. You can have, you know, an ESL student sitting next to a PhD candidate, both of them talking about the same issue. Nobody, there's, we really try to encourage people to just see each other and not think about titles, not think about, you know, where you are on your journey. We're all, we're all in this space together, learning together. Um, and that's, that's been super important for us. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think it gets back to the idea of adult education being driven by topics and themes and goals, right, rather than sort of labels, right, so that you can have, you know, adults coming together to talk about how to be safe online, right, or, you know, uh, using poetry to recover your own voice or whatever it might be, and it's not, as you said, like, you know, you're a professor, you're a student, really problematizing the whole teacher-student dichotomy and saying, like, no, we're all here to learn, from each other, right, and, and to teach each other things. 
Yeah, I mean, my experience at other conferences, and I've gone to lots of conferences that I thought were really great, and I learned a lot and came away with great information. But we learn, I always felt sort of anonymous at those other conferences. A, there were a lot of people. I went to one conference, there was like 15,000 people. And I couldn't, I couldn't find anyone that I could connect with. At, at WeLearn, A, the conferences were a lot smaller, but also there was an, an effort made kind of from the moment you walked in the door to know who you are, to understand where you're coming from, to figure out, oh, who can I connect you with? Who do you want to sit with at lunch? How can we, how can we help you feel like you are in a comfortable and safe environment where you can just be yourself. Yeah. And also there's, there's lots of emotion that we learn. There's lots of laughing. There's lots of hugging and kissing. There's, like, there's a lot of, there's a lot of warm and friendly uh, welcome. And we learn. As part of that, I mean, we learn the conferences, there's always songs and art, right? I mean, like really understanding learning and expression in all its dimensions, right? So that like, um, and also before we got started, we were talking about on Zoom calls where, you know, people apologizing for when their children may interrupt a Zoom call, right? As And saying there's no really need, you don't need to apologize for that. That's that's part of life, right? Kids and, and being caregivers are part of our life. And we learn to embrace that too. Right? I mean, so there would be kids running around on the, on, the, on the grounds and just, you know, it's like a village, right? People take, people taking care of each other. So, all right. So I say, see, I think that's a good introduction to kind of what we learn has been up to and kind of what we learn's ideas are. And the next person I'd like to, so Shelly, I think you're about to read a piece for us that started out in the women's perspective, but now it has a sort of an ongoing role in the We Learn organization. You want to introduce yourself and the piece? Yeah, my name is Shelley Walters, and I'm actually the secretary on the board, but I'm actually a former student. I started off with my local literacy program reading at a third grade level, and eventually uh, got all my, le- my levels up and moved on to college. Um, but I've been on WeLearn. I've been involved with them for a long time. Um, I started out and I wrote for one of the women's perspectives. I went to a conference and just like they said, opening, embracing, they welcomed everybody in. It was great. I'm going, I want to be part of this organization because I want to spread this um, wealth further. And so I got involved. And on one of the calls that we were doing for Women's Perspectives, we were talking about what the next next issue would be. And we were talking about it, and I said this big, long-winded thing about how students a lot of times will put ourselves down because of where we are with our education and not think about where we were with where we were when we started the program the celebrations of the things we were doing without the education. So I did this whole thing and they said, oh, you need to write that down. We want to put that as the introduction for the next woman's perspectives. And so I wrote it all down. We used it for perspectives. And every year since, they've put it in their women's perspectives because it really is what women's perspectives means, especially to me, but actually to this organization. Um, 
So here's my piece. Okay. As a student, we often put ourselves down. We don't think we can do anything. We put ourselves down because we can't read or write well, or we can't do math, or maybe we don't have a good education or had a bad experience in school. We didn't think we could do anything useful because we don't have a good education. But we were doing things before we entered the literacy program. For example, my verbal skills are excellent. Um, I have the writing skills, but I could hide my writing skills because of my good verbal skills. I, I could cover things up for that too. Women who have poor reading and writing skills often have a lot of skills that they thought they might not recognize themselves as important. They're most successful in work or their families or their communities, but they were not recognized as successful because of their lack of skills. So when we came back to school, we see, we see ourselves as lacking. We celebrate our school success after we come back, but we forget that we are also productive before. We have always found a way to make things work in our lives. We have skills in our everyday life beyond reading and writing, but we forget we have coping and survival skills. For example, many women have a good work ethic. They are good workers and have and are able to keep jobs. When women come back to school, the teachers or tutors get focused on how much education they don't have rather than how they are or what they are already doing. There are different standards. We don't need the degree to be successful in many areas, but education helps us be more successful. Every step up the rung should be celebrated. In the issue, we celebrate students' voices of strength and contributions. As students, we need to have a look at what we do have rather than what we don't have. We, we do have important points of view. We are already making contributions to society and they will become, we will become stronger when we're educated. Thank you for sharing that. I think it's, you know, I think there's a reason why it's at the beginning of every uh, issue of women's perspectives. Do you, I know it was a while ago at this point, do you, but do you remember what it felt like to write that, to sit down and write that out? I do, but I think I remember more speaking it. Uh, and I was on a call with other women and other students and just the response because everyone, and I, if, the conferences and other places. So I, I speak out a lot about what I what, that students need to celebrate. And it's the students just latch onto that because they forget. It's a big self-esteem builder for me because students forget what they were doing before or they let education be the primary mark for that, where they are in life. Mm -hmm. Have, now that you've gone through your own educational journey, do you see 
different things in that piece than when you when you first wrote it down? Yes. <laughs> so so I what's do, your perspective on it now? My perspective on it now is still I need to remember to always look at what we have and celebrate, but growing is good. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think we always, and I think that goes back to lifelong learning. We always can be learners. There's always stuff I'm learning from other people are doing going forward. Have you continued to write for Women's Perspective yourself? I have not continued to write for Women's Perspective, but what I've continued to do is serve on the board. I'm now the secretary, which is was a big stretch for me, and with lots of things from the board in the very beginning, um, doing my notes and stuff, and they helped me through a lot of that. Um, but... I'm also read every year for the woman's perspective and judge for the contest. So I'm still very active in woman's perspective. I actually have chaired it a couple of times as the committee as well. Oh, great. Well, certainly thanks for being the secretary. You know, I'm the member, I'm a member of a, a number of different organizations. And when people are going around volunteering for roles, nobody ever picks secretary. <laughs> because because you have to take the notes, you have to circulate the notes. It's a it's difficult job. So I'm, I'm thank you for doing that for for we learn. So we do have some writers, uh, some some learner writers, and the first one I think is going to read is Jessica. Do you want to introduce yourself and your connection to we learn? So my name is Jessica Rollins Bayana, and let's see. Um, I've been in this committee for some time now. Um, I was introduced to it by Marie Dorner. Um, she's a great teacher. And yeah, uh, I went to the Rhode Island. Um, is that was that part of you guys? Yeah. Yep. I was a speaker at the Rhode Island um, um, event. Um, where else? Oh, I was also. I don't remember what campus it was, but um, I was I was a speaker or volunteer. I helped out a lot. So I mean, I've been. I've been with you guys for some time. I've been involved in your events. Um, I've been just around. <laughs> so today I'm going to like um, read you um, this piece that I wrote. Um, uh, let's see. Um, it's um, Women's Perspectives. We are still here and Women and Resilience. Okay. So let's see. Um, in 2009, I graduated high school. Just after that, I was in a, um, a nearly fatal car accident. I had to relearn how to walk, talk, and think again. I nearly died. After that, I went to adult school to try to get my life back. It was working until the pandemic started. When the pandemic started, I was an SDSU student taking classes on campus when suddenly all classes went virtual. I'm thankful for my mentors, um, tutors, and professors who helped me graduate. Um, I seriously could not have done it without them. They gave me the strength and the ability to be persistent and move forward when I felt like giving up. My family and friends were my main motivators because even apart, we were in this together. During the epidemic, I was surprised at my ability to create my own workouts from the comfort of my own home in order to keep myself motivated um, and accomplish my goals. I'm a strong believer um, that whether you are lifting weights, running, or going on walks, it is, a, it is very important to stay active to prevent illness. 
Exercise improves your memory, lower, lowers the risk of diseases, and also reduces feelings of depression. It is good for your body and it also releases endorphins. It also helps you get a good night's sleep. Being a YMCA member since I obtained my traumatic brain injury, TBI, helped me to seek resiliency and workouts to maintain active. A blessing that came from the epidemic was that I graduated from San Diego State University with my bachelor's degree in interdisciplinary studies focusing in three departments, Spanish, communication, and school counseling psychology. I was able to take my classes online and really, bless you, <laughs> and really focus on the material, and really focus on the material without distractions such as commuting, um, such as commuting. Um, even though the pandemic was unfortunate and many lives were lost, I excelled in my studies. The shift to online classes was detrimental to some, but with perseverance, I was able to pass my classes. I found strength in my family, SDSU staff, and mentors because even apart, we're in this together. We are still here. I survived and thrived through hard times with perseverance, resilience, and persistence. Staying actively, learning, being fit, and virtually connected helped me with lockdown. I am now an SDSU graduate. Yay! <laughs> hey, congrats. So thanks for sharing that. Um, just as an aside, if I'm not able to edit it out when Jessica said, bless you, I sneezed off camera and she was multitasking. She was both reading and attending to me silently sneezing on Zoom. Um, but so Jessica, reading that piece, hearing that piece from you, the, the first thing that jumps out at me is that... Um, it's a really nice way of encouraging people to to be active and get healthy, right? Like, I feel like a lot of times when I'm reading things, people are, like, giving me a hard time about, like, you know, exercise every day or, like, you know, 30 minutes of this or 20 minutes of that. But I feel like the way that you wrote it, it's much more like, you know, a friend giving me some advice rather than, like, a doctor giving me a hard time. So so I think that's really, really uh, important. That's, that's one of the things that really struck, struck me in your piece is that how, how naturally you moved into kind of remaining active and what being active does for us, right? In a, and I think in a very friendly way. Thank you. Yeah. It's very important for us to, I mean, stay active, not just for our health, but I mean, also for our, um, um, mentally, you know, you to, in order for you to like complete tasks and like be able to like function well, like you need to be active and release endorphins. Yeah. So as somebody who's written a number of things, what do you like about this piece in particular? Like, what are you proudest of about this piece itself? I am happy that I was able to document exactly how I felt during the pandemic because I mean, I will never get those thoughts back in my head because I was like, how, what am I going to do to like, I mean, to make sure that I am motivated. I'm like, even though I don't have my teachers, I don't have my mentors, I don't have anybody here, just myself in my head. So I mean, like, that's what I did to, I mean, get, get by every day. That's, that's one of the reasons that we write, right. Is to kind of capture the feeling and capture the experience as it's happening to us and kind of make sense of it. And I feel like, you know, what you were describing is exactly what Shelly was talking about was, you know, women making the best of a situation and adapting, right. So like, here's this difficult circumstance, right. And using the various skills that they have, you know, to overcome the situation and not be bogged down in what you don't have or what other people think you can't do 
but really maximizing what it is that you can do in, in that situation. Um, I think I'm going to go on my treadmill after we do this. Once <laughs> You're so funny. <laughs> 20 minutes on my treadmill. Uh, so uh, anybody else with thoughts on, on Jessica's piece? Um, it's interesting because uh, not thinking about, oh, you have to exercise just to sort of keep yourself together and keep going. One of the things I started doing during the pandemic, because I'm also, I also live by myself, so I didn't have people around me. I have a, a stationary bike that has a, a desk attached to it. Oh, wow. So I'm sitting on it right now. <laughs> so, oh, wow. So, so I started setting up my computer on the bike so that every time I was in a Zoom meeting and there were a lot of Zoom meetings, I could also be cycling because I'm a real fidgety person. And if I can't move around, it's hard for me to stay focused. And so being, having to sit on the computer in meeting after meeting and classes and stuff was really hard. But the moment I started doing it from the bicycle, it got a lot easier. Even if I didn't cycle the entire time of the meeting, I could cycle a little bit. When I felt myself getting fidgety, I could just cycle. <laughs> and nobody could see that I was doing it. Like, you can't see that I'm cycling right now. <laughs> wow, that's really good. And so it helped me to stay connected, but also to feel, to feel better as I was trying to do this Zoom work. I got, once the pandemic started, I got a um, device to turn my bicycle into a stationary bike at home. Um, so it's, it's an actual bike, but then you turn, it's mostly been a coat rack. <laughs> it, hasn't, it hasn't been a bike as much as it's been my bike is sometimes a coat rack too <laughs> so, and because it has a desk sometimes it's just a table that I put things on <laughs> but, I, but I like the idea of like having it connected to my computer you know because there's some of those stationary bikes that you can use to generate electricity right so I like the idea oh. of like connecting it to the computer and then you're powering the computer <laughs> you know, with your biking and then at a certain point you can be like I'm done no I'm literally done like i gotta, I gotta go i've got no more energy left so well thanks jessica we look forward to reading that piece and for thanks for the work that you do for for we learn and being on the advisory committee um and good luck with your next step now that you're a graduate that's great thank you that's great all right so i think our next our next uh writer is marcia marcia do you want to introduce yourself Hi. and then your piece can you hear me yes Oh, I have uh, something to say for Jessica. Jessica, I'm very impressed. Thank you. It was really great. Thank you very much. All right. Thanks, Marcia. Do you would like to introduce yourself and read your piece? Yes. My name is uh, Marcia. I did my piece to in memory of my mother. Um, it's a little bit hard for me to talk about my mom. So I put her name, Costa. So I put Marcia Costa. And I wrote this piece because Miss Amira. And she kept saying, you need to write that. You need to write. I think you, you have great potential. And yes, writing was my passion in high school. For many years, I wrote a lot. 
but in Portuguese, not in not in English. And since I live in the United States for a long time, I think the Portuguese kind of stay left behind. And I started to write more in English. And then Norby also was a great influence. She kept saying, you think, I think you should put your piece on women's perspective. And so I said, okay. And that's why I'm here today. <laughs> great, great. So what's the, the piece that you want to share about your mom? Well, the two people that had influenced me the most in my life. Okay, so there are two people that have... Sorry, I just have to change my eye a little and get together here. Sorry. Um, I'll repeat again. There are two people that have a big influence in my life, and it's for similar reasons. The first one is my mother. My mother was very strong-minded, and I was so happy. In um, my nine years old mind, I saw her as an invincible, magical person that could make others so happy. And of course, she made me so happy that I couldn't see myself without her. When she was alive, we always woke up with her singing and the biggest, most amazing smile. She was, she would always make sure we were taken care of. She would make us breakfast and make sure to get us ready for school. We got so much love from her and learned so much from her kindness even if she was in our lives for a very short time. I took, I look so much like my mother and I'm so much like her in so many ways. It's scary sometimes. Just like her, I'm always doing something for other people. Even when it doesn't benefit me most of the time because I do it without thinking of the consequences that it will bring me. I remember my mother always bring, bringing completely strangers. She just met to the house to join us for dinner because they were hungry. And even sometimes letting people stay for the evening. Once she brought a woman with five children to join us for dinner because she didn't have food at home. We talked nothing of that and happily shared our dinner with our completely strangers guests. That was the way my mother was always giving, even if she didn't have much herself. She still found a way to give to others. The other is my daughter, who is a copy of my mother and me together. She's always giving her things away. My daughter is following the same pattern. Just like, just like I learned from my mother, she learned from me to give from her heart. She's always ready to help others. Like when she moved into Georgia and met a younger woman with a toddler. 
as the woman told her that she was running from an abusive relationship, my daughter didn't think to time. She welcomed this completely stranger into her home. For many months, till the woman had saved enough to have her own place. She even babysat the baby for for the mother to go to work and cooked for everybody. She made a difference in someone's life without an expectation. That was such a beautiful act of kindness. And that's amazing. Thank you for sharing that, Marcia. Um, I love that story, Marcia. That was yeah. beautiful. Uh, that's you really know, beautiful. On a... On an, uh, on an immediate level, uh, my mom passed away uh, in 2020. Um, and uh, so two things from your story reminded me immediately of my own mom, right? Uh, so my mom definitely had a mi casa, su casa approach to life. Like people who needed a place to eat or a place to stay. Like when friends ran away from home, they would come stay at our place, right? Uh, even though, you know, uh, my mom was a single mom and we were, we got government assistance with food. Like, you know, I was on reduced lunch at school, right? It didn't matter. My mom was like, you need a place, you know, come in. Uh, so I can definitely see my mom in, in, in that story. And the other thing that it reminded me of my own mom is that, um, Every year, I would give my mom copies of, uh, you know, women's perspectives and then also this adult learner writing contest that I do in, in New Jersey. Every year, my mom wanted to read what students were writing um, and she would comment on how wonderful the stories were. Um, and I know that she would have appreciated that story. So so I want to thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Um so, you know, you started that as it was difficult to read because it's a difficult, you know, it's a difficult emotion to process. How did writing and how did writing that maybe in particular help you with the, with the grieving process? Um, it actually helped, you know, um, throughout the years I've been trying to speak many years that my mother died, I was nine years old. Um, but the trauma was so big that I couldn't move forward and when my daughter born uh, I it was very difficult for me because I had that fear what if I'm not here then I got introduced to a book a friend in uh, gave it to me as a gift. It's called uh, Motherless Daughters by Hope Edelman. And that book really helped me. And um, the pandemic really also helped. I mean, I go back to thinking of getting my education. Um, and I met, I met Miss Samira, who is, she's like a psychologist, like a therapist. And he helped me a lot uh, with my greeting, uh, my, 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 uh, my, I'm sorry. Your grieving and your... Yes, with my grieving and... Um, 
and also to look in a, in a way where I can go back to my writing because I do love writing and I like to write things that happen to my life or to people that I know and do you think you might pick up writing in Portuguese again? I, mean, I know that you said that it's been a while, but I'm wondering if you're going to... I'm not sure because I think more English now. Uh-huh. I don't really practice. And... Have you written anything that combines both? No, I haven't. All right. Other, other folks' thoughts on, on Marcia? Oh, yeah. I loved your, um, your piece. Um, my mom, my mom, I'm fortunate to say that my mom's still alive, um, but I think about it every day. I'm like, I don't even know what I'm going to do when you go away. I don't even want to think about that because I know it's very, she's a big part of my life. Um, uh, my dad wasn't so much in my life, but my mom, I, my, mom's like, my mom is my world. I love her. So I can feel, I can feel you. The first time she wrote this, uh, uh, she read this uh, class. Um, so I know Marcia through the program, Adult Education, with the same teacher, Miss Marcia. And the first time she read this, I was weeping. My grandmother passed away also um, last year. And this, this story like touched me so much. And ever since me and Marcia, like, we speak, we are friendly. So I, I encourage her to submit this piece. I don't think, I think you were not going to submit it, right, Marcia? No. And Ms. Damara, she is so good. She got me writing, even on those days that I didn't feel like myself, but I just put in the words and paper, like, it brightens, it was brightening my day, you know? Right, so it, it matters having people in our lives to give us support, right? To kind of yes. encourage us. I think a lot of people... I think a lot of people do write, but don't necessarily share it, right? Because maybe they've got an inner voice that's telling them, you know, some of the inner voices that Shelly was talking about in her first piece, like, oh, this isn't good enough, or like, you can't, like, so sometimes we need external voices telling us, no, 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 you can, you can do this. And not only you can, but you should, right? Because what you have to share is really important. And principle for me because I really didn't have anyone to like be there for me. I always felt like that I was there for people, but they weren't there for me. And anytime I thought like someone could help me with something, they would be very critical or very like, "Oh, you can never do this. You you don't have the ability. You you will never succeed." And I think I let that happen a lot in my life you know I kind of put to the side and say yeah like I was married for like 20 years and my ex said to me I go to school first and then you go and I said okay because by skill I can cook a storm I mean I learned with my father and I think like a chef, I'm a chef. I, I went to Germany for three years and learned um, restaurant management. I just didn't stay because it was very depressing for me. And came back to the States, good to, to the 
certificate at the French Culinary Institute. So I think this I think this speaks to the continuing relevance of We Learn and its goals, right? That that women in particular being told like that what they're writing or what they have to share, right, is not worth it, right? And that uh, the external voices becoming internal voices, right? And that this is something that we still need to push back against. For me, that's one of the reasons that I stay so involved with Women's Perspective, because this is the reason. Women need a place to share their stories so they feel important, so they can move forward, just for like everything you said. Women's Perspective celebrates both their accomplishments of where they've been, as well as where they're going in the future. That's why Jessica keeps writing for Women's Perspectives, even though she's no longer she's got her degrees but because she's still celebrating where she's moving forward well i was going to say you know i really am happy that you decided to join us and read today marcia i know when we talked on the phone last night you were a little worried that you might get emotional if you read this piece and and how could you not like like, like you know just like jessica i still have my mom in my life but she is much older. She is in her mid-80s now and is thinking about putting things in order for when she passes. And she's trying to have those conversations with me and my sister, and my heart can't. I'm just like, no, I can't even think about the time when you're not going to be here. And I can't, like I said to you on the phone last night, I can't actually imagine what you are feeling, but my but my heart is listening to you and is and is feeling it with you. And and I really appreciate you sharing it. It was really beautiful. And I also love that you see her in your daughter and that your daughter is doing, is taking on that same like giving and caring approach to, to other people. I think that's really a beautiful legacy that your mom and you have, have passed to your daughter. Thanks. Thanks for, for sharing, Marcia. So last but not least, we're going to hear from uh, another uh, learner writer, Norby. Do you want to introduce yourself and then your piece? Right. Um, so my name is Norby. I got, um, I was just before the pandemic, I was working, everything, it was fine. And then the pandemic hit and I was let go. So I stayed home for like over a year, just caring for my son and, you know, I got very depressed and, um, this year I got back into the work life, which I didn't know how to act anymore. I didn't know how to act like an adult anymore. I've been quarantining with a toddler for two years. It feels like, so I became a toddler as well. Um, but I went back to work and then I started thinking, why not get an education as well? And um, I applied with the Miss Amara, my teacher from BMCC. She was magical, I want to say. Um, the way she got me writing, um, I would start and I would start writing, and immediately all this idea and my that my day will just get brighter and brighter, you know. So one day, this piece I'm about to read is actually happening. Like this is. Um, I was reading it last night to Stacy. I'm like, Stacy, I'm reading it to you, but it's playing in my head like a movie. Um, let me start reading. And so you guys uh, can have an idea of one of my afternoon coming back from work. Um, I title it uh, Train Ride of Emotions. 
Uh, here we go. Yesterday, I was riding the F train going home from work like hundreds of people do every day. But to me, yesterday was different. As I stand on my usual corner next to the door for a quick run to the escalator, I look to my right side and I see two ladies standing there. One is older and she looked like she could be my mom. And the other is very young. I don't think she's even 20 years old yet. But I noticed she has a baby in her arms and she's breastfeeding. Immediately, I felt this rush of emotions in my body. First, I felt so happy. It reminds me of when my son was a baby. He's now three years old, still my baby, but not so small anymore. Then I felt sad that my baby is so big. Wow, time flies. I joke saying that he's three going on 13. He's a smarty pants. I noticed this ladies have a shopping cart full of cans, looking like they're collecting them to trade them for cash. They also have a really small stroller for the baby. I can't help but to think that they are struggling financially. So I try to think, how can I help them? Maybe I can give them whatever cash I have, but it's not much. Then I think I have all this baby stuff from when Matthew was small. I can give them that, but what if they think I'm a stalker lady? So I'll pause. But I take out pen and paper to write my phone number, hoping to get some courage and talk to the strangers. In my head, I'm saying no. Yes, no, yes. This back and forth goes on my head for a few minutes, all in my head. And the train doors open. Oh no, I have to make a decision fast. But they get up at the same time and they are trying to walk out the train with me. But they have so many cans and bottles and they have been a hard time gathering all together at the same time, take the stroller and to get out of the train before the door closes and they don't miss the stop. So I asked if it was okay for me to help them and they said, yes, please, that will be great. I put back, I jumped back into the train so I can help them all the way to the street. When we are outside, they tell me, we are about to part ways. When I say to them, I have few baby items, you might have a better use for them than me. My son is three years old and I don't need it anymore. Please take my number and give me a call over the weekend to come pick them up. They take my number, they thank me, and they say they will call. I feel so good about this. So the weekend comes and I'm just looking at my phone waiting for the call or a text. But sadly, nothing. I have all this stuff, all the baby stuff, clean and wash, and ready to go. I was almost crying saying bye to the tiny socks, to the plush toys that, that were ours for such a long time. But Matthew doesn't even look at them anymore. Wait, what if that, what if the 
they think I'm a crazy lady and threw my phone away, my phone number away. And just like that, I'm sad for the rest of the day. I didn't hear anything for weeks and I started to put the baby things away. I was, it was making me sad just to watch them. One day they text me and say, hi, remember us from the train? Say, yes, of course. They asked me when was a good day to come and pick up the baby items we agreed on. And the following weekend, they came and took all the baby stuff and I could not be happy. We agreed that every few months I will call them to come and pick up all the baby stuff that Matthew no longer is using. They agreed. They're so happy with all the things that look like they look at everything like if it was new. As the as as they are walking away, Lisa, the younger lady, yes, I know their name now. She says, We don't have much, but we are so very grateful for all this. I think we are on the path of a really nice friendship. And that is all. All right. Love that story so much, Lori. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's so great. It is, as you said, Norby. It's like a movie playing in your head. Like I can picture the scene on the subway, right? I can both the, you know, the dramatic action of trying to get out before the door closes. Yeah. Also, the internal conversation that you're having with yourself, like a mile a minute, trying to figure out what you're going to do and how you're going to. Should I do this? Should I do that? I mean, but it makes me sad that, like, um, you know we've we've internalized this that like helping other people may seem crazy right <laughs> like that reaching out and helping somebody else may make you seem like a crazy person but mm-hmm. i know that i know that feeling like when you you know when you see a stranger on the street right like you like you were doing you have to find the right way to introduce yourself because you don't want to assume anything you don't want to presume anything right so you have to really like ask permission in fact to to offer it's help. okay to help yes yeah. nowadays things are so different and everybody seems to be angry angry about something so you have to think twice before you approach somebody you know you don't want to come across or being rude or you know and I really felt like I needed to help them for some reason like this this need of helping them is what got me to like oh is it okay and they're like oh yeah come on help us it's fine you know and from now on I feel more like it's okay to help you know like let's do it more often type of thing yeah yeah I also like that some of the details in your story both of my sons are in college but uh I'm sure somewhere around the apartment I have some little tiny socks that have not fit them for 20 years but I still (laughs) that I still have in a drawer someplace because I don't want to give up those cute little tiny socks that they wore when they were you know when they were babies yeah there's a lot of things a lot it holds like we keep because they hold memories like you know we don't longer need them they don't fit but it's just like the memory of that day the first steps with those socks that thing right it's always good when the thing that holds the memory is like a sock and not like an automobile Right, because like <laughs> you can you can hang on to a sock, you can like put it in a drawer or a box someplace. But like bigger things, then that becomes, then you become a hoarder, and it becomes much much more difficult. Other other folks' responses to Norby's piece. 
Well, I think one of the important things she mentions is that we need to listen to our intuition. And part of that was that. And I think that's part of those skills that we forget that don't come with education. They do come with just knowledge of the world. Yeah, that's a really good point, Shelley. And I just love, Norby, that your story and Marcia's story are both about seeing other people as people, not just not just being able to walk by a stranger who is clearly in distress, but actually reaching out and helping another person. It's not surprising to me that the two of you are friends because you clearly have the same kind of approach to interacting with other people and you have, you both have this giving personality. So of course you are drawn to each other. It's like, makes so much sense when I learned that you were friends. <laughs> so, so yeah, I just, I love that story. When you read it to me last Last night, I was getting a little teary when you were talking about like putting Matthew's clothes together because you were remembering each of those pieces. And I thought, oh, but that's so sweet. Like you're, you're folding them and putting them together, remembering all this love. And then that's going to be handed off to this young woman and her baby, like all these things that are wrapped up in, in the love that you have for Matthew. So that's really beautiful. Yeah, that's, that's exactly the way I felt. I'm like, I'm passing this on to her, you know, and now the oldest thing that gave me joy at some point is going to give her and her son joy. Well, I want to thank everybody for reading and, and sharing their pieces today. Any uh, last pieces of advice to other learners who might be interested in submitting to Women's Perspectives or, you know, their own local uh, journals for their organizations that they're part of? Do it. <laughs> Do it. Write it. Write it down. Um, even if you think it's not the best, you put in all your emotions and paper and then reading it out loud, that helps. You know, it makes your mind better. You know, it can help somebody else. Start writing as well. You know, just make sure you put all your emotions on that piece of paper that in the near future, a year from now, three years from now, you read it again and you get back to that place, you know, to what was happening, what was in your mind at that time. You know, it could be your a happy story or a sad story. It doesn't matter. It's your story. It's what you telling and what how you feeling at the moment. Mm-hmm. Exactly, because I remember, like, I mean, I wrote down, like, um, my my on what I read um at that moment like I'm like I remember taking four classes like a day I'm like I'm like how am I going to get through this there's no way I I know I'm so used to like walking around campus and being so active and I'm like I'm the pandemic kid I had to stay indoors I had to stay indoors and I'm like I need to do something like Stacey said I need to I'm a fidgety person too I'm like I need to like get find something that's going to like get those endorphins out before I go into my four hours of class and longer yeah so I mean like that's what helped me and I'm glad that I wrote it down and I mean now I can look back I'm like I remember I remember when I was in that place yeah so thank you yeah for me sometimes I'm I'm um I think like I'm thinking really fast like and I'm like oh my god I wish I have a piece of paper here so now I realize well if I don't have a piece of paper I have this I take that out of my pocket and I start and write it because and then I have it my writing there 
Email. For people that are listening, Marsha just held up her phone because this is going to be. Yeah, the notes app on my phone has saved many ideas that would have been lost otherwise. <laughs> You know, I will I will write on anything other than my phone. Like I will write on the back of an envelope, on the back of a restaurant receipt. Like I, I would much rather put pen to the worst piece of paper imaginable than put it on my phone. But like I don't want my my piece of paper. Like if I'm in the kitchen cooking, um, and I have an idea, my phone is around, but there's no paper. It's hard to believe, but in my job, there's like no paper. Only now I put some notebooks, like post-its, and sometimes I write notes on the post-its because it's hard to use my phone at work. I can't really. So, but if I if I'm alone, I will start and do little writing. Or if I like have a new recipe, it goes into the phone. The, the bad thing about the phone is that I don't always remember that's there. So I have to look into it. And the paper, usually I ended up having paper over the place. <laughs> yeah. The, the bad thing yes, about we paper... We won't talk about how many notebooks there are in my house and how many, how many pens. Like, I also like writing with, with pen and paper over writing on the computer or on the phone. But when you don't, when you're like on a crowded subway train and you're standing up sandwiched in between a bunch of other people, you can't really take out a notebook and pen, but your phone is still there. You can still some type your way through something. <laughs> For, for me, the problem is my handwriting is terrible. <laughs> so even in the best of circumstances, my handwriting is terrible. But if I'm doing it in the middle of a crowded subway train, like, you know, on the back of our coffee cup, you know, then it's like, it's going to be almost impossible to read. If I'm in the kitchen and I have an idea, I would rather write it in the grease on the counter than, <laughs> than get my phone out. Like, I just don't want to write it on my phone. <laughs> so, all right. So, uh, I don't recommend that, though. I don't recommend that. So, um, so I want to thank everybody from WeLearn for, for what you all do. I think WeLearn continues to be a, a necessary and vital organization, and I look forward to many years going forward of its work and, and women's perspectives. We look forward to the next issue coming out, uh, which is going to be available within the next week, Stacy, you said? So yes, on it's going to come out, I think, on Wednesday of next week. So that, that website again? WeLearnWomen.org. Okay. And we'll also have it in the information section of the podcast, along with uh, Shelly, Jessica, uh, um, Norby, and, and Marcia's pieces. So I want to thank you all for sharing. And, you know, I think providing inspiration for myself as a writer and hopefully other writers out there. Stay safe, keep doing what you're doing, and, and take care. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I want to thank everybody from WeLearn again for sharing their work, experiences, and insights. I encourage you to check out WeLearn's activities at welearnwomen.org, where you can find out more about women's perspectives, both the current issue and past ones. Stay safe.